good to be here with you today, my friends. It's just um, such a fun thing to uh, take the time that, that we're taking today and really this whole month and, and look back at <clears throat> the series of illustrums. Van educated me on that this week. I didn't know that word. I, I, to me, it sounds like a body part, you know, like my lustrum is a little sore. Um, but we're, uh, we're, we're looking back, we're taking some time and I just thought, I thought that was really cool. And, um, you know, it's, it's interesting. This is a, this is an element of, um, the rhythm of Sabbath actually, which is so fascinating. If you look at in Deuteronomy five, when God talks about the Sabbath, actually here, I'll just, I'll just read it cause I'll misquote it if I try to not, um, In Deuteronomy 5, when God is talking about the Sabbath, he says this. He's like, observe the Sabbath day, keep it holy, as the Lord commanded you. Six days, you'll labor, you'll do all the work. Seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shouldn't do any work. You, your son, your daughter, your male servant, your your female servant, even the animals get the day off. Um, But it says this. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. It's amazing to me that God in the Israelite nation gave them an every seven day rhythm. Pause your life and look back at what God has done for you. It's not just about rest. Rest is important. It's not just about trusting in his provision. That's important. But it's also about remembering. It's also about pausing and and looking back. And so I love that you guys are are doing this in this, you know, 20-year mark to just pause and look back. It's beautiful. You know, um, I was listening to the interview. Van and I kind of caught up a little bit this week on, on this last five years and the things that God has been doing here. And um, I wanted to just share to me what it looks like the Lord is, is doing with you guys in this church, what the last five years have been, and maybe what some of the future holds. I know you, you guys all need to keep exploring that. But I wanted to just share a sense that I have and then some thoughts on um, this thing of, of pioneering together with the Lord. Um, you guys have had a really cool last five years. And those last five years was really built on the five years before, you know? Um, I didn't know you guys back in the, you know, 20, 2009 to 2011 timeframe, um, but Van was sharing that, that wound up being a really sort of defining moment for you guys as a church. And it was hard for, from what it sounds like. It was really hard. I mean, Van and I were talking, he was like, those are some of the hardest years. Um, but in that, in that difficulty, you guys really self-defined. This is the church we want to be. This is what we want to be about. We want to be about the kingdom. We want to be about the Holy Spirit. That's not something we're willing to to do half-heartedly. This is what we're going to be about. And so there were sacrificial choices. There were hard things to do. Um, But what wound up happening is that sort of oriented around a new North Star. And after a, a few years of leaning into that, these last five years, you've really seen fruition in that new trajectory. 
You've seen, I mean, sure, there were, there were a few ministries that came in. School Kingdom Ministry was kind of a part and whatever. But, like, I just heard, like, whatever, six or seven different Holy Spirit ministries that started here in the last five years, you know, conferences and schools and all these things. And so there's been this real sort of blossoming of um, uh, pursuit of the presence of God and the things of the Spirit, which is amazing and exciting and beautiful. And I, I can't help but just have the sense that that blossoming for the last five years is meant to be unto more and more as time goes on. You know, in our, in our personal lives, we all go through, you know, our, our journey with Jesus. We, we, we go through seasons where the Lord just kind of almost pulls us away and invests in us directly. And there's this communing and building relationship and journey with him and all of this. But then eventually God's like, okay, you know, it's not really just all about you. I love the world. And so I am going to keep meeting you, but now we need to turn the focus out more. You'll keep enjoying it if you start giving more away. And this is one of those Wimberisms, you know, back in the day. You get to give, to get to give, to get to give, or something like that. I, don't, I never heard him say it, but that's what I've heard he would say, is we receive to give away. And as soon as we actually stop the giving away, we probably stop receiving. We, we sort of get spiritually constipated or something. <laughs> the flow is important, okay? Um, <laughs> it's the best analogy ever, right? <laughs> Heidi's about ready to throw her sandal. Praise the Lord. Um, so, you know, and, and, I, and I just want to suggest, you know, I think as it comes to the wonderful things of the spirit that you guys as a church have been experiencing, there's a threat of that if you as a church don't give away. You guys have had a wonderful five years. And for these five years, there's been, you know, elements where it's, it's, it's spilled out, you know, like the conferences I heard, you know, the youth conference kingdom pursuit, I know school prophetic ministries kind of starting to, to, to spread. And, 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 and so it's begun already, but my, I don't know, admonition for you guys would be, I'd suggest really taking on that target. I think the Lord has actually positioned you guys in a really important place in this thing called the vineyard. If you're not like familiar with the vineyard movements, go browse the Vineyard USA website sometime. Just try and get a sense of the, the broader church family that you're a part of. Um, and one of the things that's very interesting about the, the vineyard church family, it started in the 80s with a bunch of hippies in Southern California, and it's kind of grown and gone all over. But What's really interesting, you know, kind of unique little tidbit is other than California, where the vineyards started, Ohio has more vineyards than any other place. And, and that's because there's, there's been just a number of, of really significant cities in Ohio, Columbus and Cincinnati and Dayton, and there have been really strong vineyard churches in Ohio. And so if you, there, you can even go and look on a map and you can see, like, you zoom in on Ohio. There's like way more in Ohio than in Illinois, like probably three times. There's a lot of vineyard churches here. And... As a, as a movement, the vineyard movement is in a really interesting place right now. We're, we're reorganizing, there's new uh, national leadership coming in, and a lot of good things happening. But there's just change happening. And whenever change is happening, it's important to make sure that we're preserving our values. 
And when I look at you guys and when I look at the broader vineyard movements, to me, I say, it would be really great if there was a hopping Holy Spirit hub in Ohio. I think our movement needs that. And when I, when I scan the churches in Ohio and I say, who's, who's likely to be on that trajectory? It's you guys. I, now the Lord's gonna kind of like raise the water level everywhere, but he already raised the water level ago, like seven years ago here. Right? So there's been a building momentum for a long time and, and more people are gonna get on the train, but I really wanna encourage you guys, why not set the goal to just influence the vineyard in Ohio and push us back to that DNA of the Holy Spirit? You guys walked that journey, you know, eight years ago, 10 years ago, you made that pivot, said we're gonna do the sacrifices to do that and you've experienced a renewal as the church as a result. Well. You'll keep receiving, but now I think it's time to give away even more, to give away even more. Keep giving away here. It doesn't mean you, you know, neglect here, but give away more out there, and you'll see even more get poured in here. And so it's not my place to set the destiny or the calling of this church, but I want to come in from the outside and say, if I was you guys, I'd give that some serious thought and prayer because I think you guys are positioned for something really exciting here. I felt it as we were worshiping this morning. There are a lot of good worship sets, right? But there's a difference between a good worship set and a worship set that you feel the fire in. And I felt the fire this morning. And the fire isn't everywhere, but it's burning here. And I wanna urge you guys, protect that fire and export that fire, give it away. The more it's, you give it away, the hotter it burns here too. And so with that suggestion that I submit to the leadership here to, to pray about, I, I want to share a few thoughts on pioneering. Because what's been happening for this last five years is pioneering. And what needs to just keep happening in the entire church right now is pioneering. And I, and I see more and more of that moving forward in your guys' trajectory as well. And so, you know, these are reflections, just a few thoughts. I know, I know we, we don't have tremendous amount of time here this morning, but a few thoughts from reflecting on the last decade of pioneering work that I've done. You know, you guys mentioned School of Kingdom Ministry. We're at like an even decade. That started fall 2011. And um, I'm in kind of a bit of a life pivot right now, so I'm looking back and reflecting as well. And these are just a couple of thoughts that have kind of distilled with that that I want to I want to give to you guys on this pioneering thing. So here's the first thought. You don't have to try to be a pioneer. You have to try to follow the spirit. See, pioneering is one of these interesting things that you get it indirectly. It's like happiness. If you try to be happy, you're not gonna be happy. But if you try to live life well, you'll get happiness along with the mix. And so you have to like set your target to pursue the right thing, and sometimes you get other things indirectly that kind of like come along with the package. And, and knowing the things to pursue directly and the things to expect to get indirectly is a really important thing. And when it comes to this, this work of pioneering, it's easy because pioneering, like, 
it's, the truth is, is doing the work of pioneering is no fun at all. But the reputation of pioneering is very glamorous. And so it can play to us where we can be like, oh, we can be on the cutting edge. We can be the cool kids in town, right? And it's easy to actually, without realizing it, kind of set your target for some of those things and then begin to pursue them in a direct fashion. And, and I wanna suggest to you that in my experience, that doesn't work. If you try to pioneer, what you wind up doing is copying the people who are actually pioneering. You know, you guys may have heard of like, there's these sort of like bell curves of like adoption rates. You've got your innovators and your early adopters and early majority, late majority and whatever. Some of you guys are familiar with that. If you try to pioneer, what you do is you position yourself as an early adopter. You don't actually position yourself as an innovator. And the innovator's the one that pioneers. And so if you try to pioneer, what you do is you look at like what's Elevation doing or Life Church or whoever's the cool, the cool kids in town now and you copy them. And you are ahead of most, but you're not actually pioneering. They're pioneering. You're just the first in line after them. And so I wanna suggest that trying to pioneer doesn't get you very far in that direction, but I have good news that it doesn't really matter because if you follow the Holy Spirit well, you will wind up pioneering, and here's why. Um, you guys are probably well aware that the vineyard's core message is this kingdom of God thing, right? The, the, the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus' main message, God is inbreaking, he is intersecting the world, God is godding. And when he's Godding, we call it the kingdom of God, right? Well, one of the pieces that we don't talk about a whole lot is that God's Godding is what, like, is about the end of the world. God's Godding is about the end of hu human history breaking in early to the present moment. It's the future invading the now. And every time healing breaks out or prophecy breaks out or deliverance or salvation or whatever, what we're actually getting is like a glimpse of eternity that showed up before the end of time. And so you can't be walking in the kingdom and not be experiencing the future. So if you want to pioneer, your goal should actually be to walk in the kingdom it shouldn't be to be ahead of everybody else. Because if you're walking in the kingdom, you already are in the future, and someone who's living in the future a little bit early is what we call a pioneer. <laughs> so, so what you have to do is you have to pursue the kingdom, and you have to partner with the spirit, because the spirit's the extension cord that plugs into eternity on one side and plugs into the present here. So, so when you're actually partnering with the Spirit, believe it or not, that's what allows you to pioneer. And so pioneering is the fruit of partnering with the Spirit, but it's not something you try and do. It's something that winds up kind of getting attached to you as you do this kingdom thing. And so make sure you keep all those things straight. Otherwise, you wind up chasing the wrong thing, you chase pioneering, and then you're trying to do stuff in your own effort, your own strength, and so on. Okay. 
Can, can I, Lori, is my water there? Can you just, yeah, toss that to me real quick? Or That's wonderful. Van told me this is smart water. It will help me become smarter. And I thought, why haven't I been drinking this all along? <laughs> he is prophetic. <laughs> okay. I have three thoughts. That was thought one. Thought number two. Pioneering is largely a task of being yourself so intensely that you find yourself standing alone. I'm going to get emotional. Pioneering is largely a task. of being yourself so intensely that you find yourself standing alone. Pioneering is weird and it's lonely business. There's never been a crowd that pioneered anything. In fact, I would suggest to you that while there are many wonderful benefits of community and we ought not lose it, and I'm especially talking to you prophetic people. (laughs) Pioneering does not flow through community dynamics. Pioneering flows from something that God stirs in our heart, usually when no one else is around or looking. Name to me a prophet who God called in the middle of a crowd in the Bible. It doesn't happen. And there's something in pioneering where what happens is God grips our heart in something where we get wrecked in such a way that we actually can't stand with the rest of everybody else. You know, like this pioneering thing, it requires being either right or stupid. (laughs) You have to be willing to say, I'm pretty sure the rest of the world is wrong. I'm doing it this way. (laughs) Really, you have to be willing to do that. And it's hard to stand alone. It is. But what happens is God meets the person who stands on conviction. And that conviction is what begins to tilt the world. You know, we in the last few weeks just passed, in my opinion, a very important anniversary in the history of the church. And it's the history of Martin Luther when he was um, accused at what was called the Diet of Worms, believe it or not. It's an ironic, ironic thing. But basically, if you're not familiar with Martin Luther and his story, it's an incredible story, and the Reformation, all that is unbelievable. But basically, after like three or four years of Martin Luther stirring things up and bringing the church back to salvation by grace and some of these kinds of things, after three or four years, the the Catholic Church decided this wasn't going to continue. And so they brought Martin Luther to this place, uh, this event that they called the Diet of Worms. A diet was like a church council thing. And Worms was this city it was in in Germany. And they basically brought him there to say, you're either going to recant or we're going to kill you. <laughs> and they, they brought him there, and he, he winds up getting accused. 
And they say, are you going to recant all your writings? And he says, give me a day to think about it. I don't even know what you're saying. And he comes back the next day and they say, are you going to recant all your writings? And he says, well, you know, they kind of fall in different categories and da, da, da. And they keep pushing and they keep pushing. And it's like all of the elite in the uh, Catholic churches there. This is, this is Martin Luther's version of Jesus before Pilate. Don't you know that I can kill you? What are you doing? And he keeps trying to kind of talk his way through it and, and whatever, and they keep pressing. And eventually they press it to the point where it was like, give me an answer or we're going to burn you at the stake. And what Martin Luther says, this was April 18th, 1521. So 500 years ago in two weeks. These are his words, so powerful they were written down. And I feel like there's something in this that captures the heart of pioneering. He says this, unless I am convicted by scripture and plain reason, my conscience is captive to the word of God. I cannot, and I will not, recount anything. For to go against conscience is neither right nor safe. Here I stand. I can do no other. So help me God. Amen. And in doing that, you know what he's saying? Burn me if you want. I can't change my mind. Burn me at the stake if you want to. Make me a public martyr. I cannot go against my conscience. To do so is neither right nor safe. I want to suggest to you that, believe it or not, that's the spirit of pioneering. To say, you know what? You want to change my mind? I'm sorry I can't. I love you. I'm not opposed to you. <laughs> but I have been so gripped by something that going back is not an option anymore. It's that thing that it talks about in Hebrews 11 where it's like, you know, you become a stranger and an exile. Because something in your heart reaches through the invisible veil and grabs a hold of something in the kingdom of God. And you can no longer live apart from the thing that's gripped you. And so pioneering is about being true to that to the point that you find yourself standing alone. And believe it or not, God miraculously saved Martin Luther's life there. It was incredible and all this. The story is amazing. We have to be willing to go alone, and that's not comfortable. But it's not about going alone, it's actually about being yourself. You know, Moses, when he has the whole conversation with God at the burning bush, and he's like, so um, who am I supposed to tell the Israelites you are when I, you know, talk to my, tell my talk to a burning bush and all that? <laughs> and God has this interesting, this interesting comment. He's like, you know, I am who I am. Right? Which is such a ridiculous thing until you think about it. And God is, he's basically saying this, I'm the being one. I be. <laughs> that's what he's saying, I be. And that's, that's how God does things. We do, God bees. And what you'll find is the more you be, the more God bees through you. So be yourself, because that's who he made you to be. That wasn't an accident. Until you find yourself standing alone. And then stay there until the world tilts in your favor. 
not the other way around. You know, maybe this is like my Baptist upbringing, but you do realize the world's wrong most of the time, right? Like this whole thing is about how the world is broken. Like that's the point. The world's broken and Jesus is fixing it. So if you're seeing something and you're like, I'm pretty sure Jesus is saying the world is broken there. You're in a great place from a Christian point of view. And don't get confused about like the peer pressure dynamics and things like that. Okay, last point. Am I too late already, Wilson? It's okay, he says, I'm sorry. This is the last point and it won't go long. Okay. Never stop paying the price. Pioneering is an interesting thing in that it comes at a high cost. And the way it works at first is you pay the cost when you have no results. And you pay the cost and you keep paying the cost and you lean in and you keep paying the cost, but then eventually results start coming back. That's actually been like the journey of the last like seven to eight years. You paid the cost for three or four years before you started seeing results come back, which is what you've had these last three or four years. And once results come back, it's tempting to think that you don't need to keep paying the cost anymore. It's tempting to think like, all right, we already sewed enough in, now we just get to sort of like coast this thing out. And I wanna to suggest to you that there is something about paying the cost that is critical and needs to never stop. You don't have the option when you begin. You pay the cost because there's nothing else that you can do, but you have to keep paying the cost even when you have the choice to not. Or what winds up happening is you wind up, it's like, it's like you're, you're in a car on the expressway. You're flying down the road at 80 miles an hour. As soon as you stop paying the cost, you cut the fuel line. You might still be going 80 miles an hour. The car didn't stop. You got plenty of distance that you can still cover because you got tons of momentum. But what's not going to happen is like there's a set distance that you're going to go. And it's done. You can ride the momentum, but as soon as you stop paying the cost, there's no more gas feeding into the engine. You know, when you look at like Paul and he talks about like apostolic ministry and stuff, you know, the thing that I see him talk about more than anything else is the cost and the price. You know, I don't think it's an accident that Paul introduces all of his letters by saying, Paul, an apostle and bondservant of Jesus Christ. Like, we're talking about the guy who knew Jesus better than anybody else. And you know what it does not say? Paul, Jesus' really good friend. Now, I love friendship with God. I'm not trying to discourage that. <laughs> right? That's important. But Paul's perspective of himself is he saw himself as a slave. That's what a bondservant was, a slave, basically. And there's something in this thing where pioneering work is about allowing yourself to keep paying the costs and let yourself, like, to, to not respect your own life. Because if you lay your life down, that gives God a chance to fill your life.
And so Paul, over and over again, when he's like, yeah, let me tell you what being apostle is really like. He's like, I'm pretty sure that we're the scum of the earth. We're the refuse of all things. We're rejected, we're dishonored, we're homeless, we're poorly clothed, we're beaten, we're robbed, we're mocked, we're ridiculed. You have money, I don't have money. You have reputation, I don't have reputation. That's the way, that was Paul's perspective on apostolic ministry, which pioneering is apostolic ministry, guys. So it's not actually, I hate to say it, it's not fun. But you know what it is? It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. It's so worth it. It is absolutely worth it. Pioneering ministry is about allowing your life to be merged with Jesus' death and Jesus' resurrection. This is why Paul says things like, I make up in my own body what's lacking of the sufferings of Jesus for the good of his church. He's not saying he atones for sins. He's saying, my life enters the death of Jesus' life so that my life can enter the resurrection of Jesus' life and the kingdom may come. And so the further you want to pioneer, the more you, you need to actually be willing to lay your life down. The more you need to be willing to say, yeah, I'll let myself see myself as a slave to Jesus. When we first come into the kingdom, that's offensive to us. God wants me to be a slave. He loves me. Yeah, he does love you. But what will eventually happen is you'll find yourself loving that place. Jesus is king of kings and lord of lords. And pioneering happens as we come into contact with that. His kingship, his lordship. And kingship and lordship hinges on submission. There's no disputing when the king of kings and lord of lords issues a decree. You say, yes, Lord. And then when you're done, you say, I have only done my duty. This isn't about me. This is about you. And as we get in touch with that, as we pay that price, see unbelievable things happen. So never stop paying the price. That's, that's my concern about this place right here, right now. You're at a place where you could stop paying the price. There's good fruit. There's exciting ministry. There's things flourishing, right? We could cash in in at this point. We could get comfortable. We could ride this wave. Don't allow yourself to do that. Don't allow yourself to do that. It wouldn't be worth it. There's so much more. You guys are enjoying wonderful things now. This is like 2%. Don't get settled on 2%. There is so much more ahead. Keep being the widow who puts the two cents in the box. Keep being the rich man who sells all that he has to give to the poor to follow Jesus. Keep being um, a living sacrifice. Your life poured out that the kingdom of God may come. Our own lives are the fuel. They are. Our own lives are the fuel. Keep giving your life. You give your life, you'll find he gives his too. And that's the beautiful, powerful thing. So I've gone like way over. I apologize, my friend. We probably need to go get the kids, right? Or something. I don't know how to do a 15-minute sermon. I apparently tried. I can't do it. So here's what we'll do. If you have kids, you probably need to go get them right now or there'll be a mutiny. And so go apologize on behalf of Putty. Collect your children. 
And then um, we should just pray to close probably, right? Let's do this. I want you guys all to stand. I want to pray over you guys as a church body here. Father, I bless, I bless this church. I thank you for Vineyard Northwest. I thank you for this last season, God. I thank you for the, the commitment and the pursuit of you, Holy Spirit, and Jesus, your kingdom ministry. And God, we are so grateful for the wonderful fruit of this last five years. Deeply, deeply grateful. You have been present in our midst. You have changed our lives. You have impacted this church. You have impacted this community. And God, we say thank you. And right now, I bless you guys as a church to continue the pioneering work, to continue to lay your lives down, to continue to pursue the spirit of God and the kingdom of God. And in that, to pioneer internally here, but more and more beyond. To become a shining light in Cincinnati as a city. To become a shining light in the vineyard as a movement. I bless you guys and the Holy Spirit bonfire that's burning here. To keep burning and to get more and more fuel thrown upon it. That it may burn brighter and brighter and may give light to those who need it. I bless you guys in Jesus name for your kingdom's sake. Amen.